It's called The Science Podcast. A couple of atheists that run this podcast. So I thought you'd be interested to hear what they say. This is only one little bit. It's like it's over half an hour. And I couldn't play you the whole thing because I'd have to have so many beeps in it bleeping out the expletives. Tonight's episode of the Science Enthusiast podcast is brought to you by KFC's pizza made with a fried chicken crust because you know what? We're already all dying anyways. Like that's a real thing. And I've just developed like this new obsession, I think, with we- with just weird products. Like there's a bathing suit that looks like a man's hairy chest. There's now, remember when we talked like some weeks ago about the um, labia lipstick? Remember? Like this was uh, months ago, maybe? I'm trying to forget. Remember? Yeah, like that it was essentially like crazy glue for your, um, you know, yeah. for your lady bits. So, I mean, you could say, yeah. I mean, you already, well, you already said labia. So I feel like yeah. cat's out of the bag on, on using yeah. like okay. inappropriate so, yeah. or so, not inappropriate, but uh, not anatomically correct terminology. Yeah. So, okay. So crazy glue for your labia. Um, so that, the inventor of that, the, this, um, he's a chiropractor because of course he fucking is. Um, <laughs> with the, hey, with chiro- not we all chiros. We shouldn't hate on, yeah, we shouldn't hate on chiropractors because I'm, I'm going to though. I'm I'm going to. Um, oh yeah, fucking chiropractors. Because reasons. Yeah, because reasons. Um, so he decided it's time to have another like potential product out there for women because clearly he knows a lot about like what women need um, during their period. So he's he's wanting to debut because this it, new. It, it, like, Mind you, because he's a chiropractor, so he's he's because he's a chiropractor. Yeah, I mean, vaginas. I'm I'm, sh- I'm sure he's trained in in bleeding vaginas <laughs> and all of that. So, um, so he he has this new panty liner that he wants to like you know put out there for women, which like it doesn't go <laughs> it doesn't go in your underwear. It like sticks to you. So, like, I don't really understand this, <laughs> but we'll. I'm- I'm already like wildly uncomfortable. Yeah. So like, so that's a potential new product on the horizon that hopefully never gets made because it sounds really ridiculous. And yeah, as a, like just imagining just, yeah. I mean, I can, I don't, it's I don't, not good. I don't I, want to imagine. No, I don't. And like, as, as somebody who, who gets a period, I don't want, I don't want any bit of that like pass strong pass right. on that. Like so. there, there's, there's a reason your body is trying to get rid of. Yeah things yeah it's not trying to like get it like get stuff stuck that's not that's just not how this works so yeah i mean we i like i could just start a little like spin-off podcast about like crazy products of the week because there's always fucking something so yeah so i mean this that we could be we could be brought to you by so many weird stuff so many weird things every week so yeah you might as well just introduce us and, and get this rolling yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh. I know. I don't know. I, know. I don't know where to go from there. There's nowhere but, to go. Uh, yeah. I mean, hello, Hi. and we're sorry <laughs> that you're listening to the Science Enthusiast Podcast. My name is Dan Broadbent, and as always, I am joined by my. This is lovely, and I feel like that's a little lazy because I'm sure that's been the adjective for you at least five percent of the it's time. It's okay, but it's like I feel like I mean it, we've already started, and I've already talked about like vaginas and periods vaginas and all that so let's, so, so let's just call it more, more than i do on you a typical d- yeah, day it's true. i mean i i definitely like i never that's expected a <laughs> that's a loaded <laughs> statement there anyway, I, ne- uh, I never expected though when we like started doing a podcast that i would talk so much about like bodily fluid 
but it's it's just a yeah. weird it's a weird thing that's happened and I'm I don't know how I feel about it but it's just like well well every, as every the producer week, like yeah. you are but that that's that's your your decision to this make is my every week. yeah I'm I'm making I am actively choosing to talk about things that have to do with like you know Jesus ejaculating and eating it or like you know gluing your labia shut and whatever it's it's just yeah, those are those are your decisions that you're making <laughs> so, independent of me. So send send your hate mail about how much you whatever dislike me talking about these things to um, Twitter at a science enthusiast. Oh, that's, See what that's, I did there? See what I did there? That's funny. It doesn't roll off the tongue as well. It, as, but as anyway, really uh, <laughs> I, I need to finish introducing you. You're Natalie Newell. Yeah. Um, and because of course our god of the week this week also has to do with uh sexy things oh yeah kind of yeah so um so our god of the week it it comes from i mean it's not really it's a god of like you know anything specific per se but it's um it's inspired by this this photo set that was circulating on the internet featuring um an engaged couple and let me just we'll we'll link this in the show notes. But this, <laughs> this couple, they they look like they're a, about fourteen years old, but whatever. Like that's besides the point. They they're it's a young a young engaged couple, um, taking just engagement photos as as you do, I guess. But um, there was a third person in the engagement photos, and it was Jesus. So. Our God of the I mean, week. not the Jesus. No, no not, like, not uh, the Jesus. Jesus. It was like, you know, a mall Santa version of Jesus. It's like somebody <laughs> dressed up. So so our God of the week is this like strangely sexualized version of Jesus who creeps in on your married life or as your girlfriend Emily said, Jesus, everyone's favorite marriage referee. So well, doesn't I was going to say, isn't that the whole thing with I mean, we, we both grew up Catholic. Like mm-hmm. wasn't isn't that the whole thing is like. Jesus and God are creeping in on your love life. Like that's the role. I, I, I guess, I don't know if that they taught me that in religion class, but like, well, that, that they didn't, yeah. they don't teach no. that, but that's, that's, that's what they it boils down that. to. They imply that, that he, that they're, that it's, I don't know what well, a marriage, like covenant between a man and a woman and the big and guy you, you in the sky, have, our, our father, have, Jesus, God, our father, Jesus God, there. like it, it's, it's all, it's all really sort of, well, what about religion isn't kind of fucked up. But so, so anyways, somebody, this couple made an active decision to be like, hey, let's take these pictures and let's get a guy with a beard and long hair who just happens to own a terry cloth robe and let's, let's sit in a field and take some pictures. I mean, I, whatever, that's, that's weird. I feel like these teenagers, because I'm assuming that they're teenagers. They're just like, we want to bang. And the only way we're going to be able to bang is to get married. Is watching? And, and so, yeah, watch. like, we're going to get married. Jesus likes to watch. Let's do this thing. Let's let's go in, in the cornfield or something and, and take some photos. I mean, if you're into that, you're into that. Like, I, I'm guessing that, you know... It gets a little crowded can I, sometimes. Can I can I say it's made worse that the the male, our uh, uh, future, I guess the, the future husband mm-hmm. here is wearing skinny jeans. Does that make it worse or better? I see. I I don't even I don't even know at this point. Can like, a guy I, tell another guy how to dress? I don't, is that okay? Probably. Am I going to get yelled at for that? You get yelled at for everything. So whatever. Like, but so so here's so here's my question though. Like, now Christians often have a problem with like you know with 
man-on-man action or woman-on-woman action. Like, Qualify that by saying the more, uh, I guess, conservative. Conservative, sorry. Variety. Not, sorry, hashtag, hashtag not, not all Christians. Christians. <laughs> so, um, like, it does it not count if the other guy is Jesus? Is it okay? If Jesus is the other guy? I don't. I don't know. I don't know. It's, I, I know. don't know what the rules to to made up things are. I, I know. I, I mean, so I guess you'd be why not? To go along. Why not? Why wouldn't it be a, right? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it worked for like Paul and Luke and all them. So I mean, why not? Yeah. So so yeah. Um, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily say we need to like worship this like creepy, you know, Jesus this week. But like, go look at the pictures because they're funny and um. So I think I'm I, gonna. I'm, I'm right? disappointed that we don't know who these people are too. Is right. like I'm 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 very much not a fan of doxing, but also at the same time, like who are these people? Like, and what was the? They have to have seen this. They have. Like, they have to have seen this. That they went. That they went viral with their super bizarre engagement shoot. Um, yeah. So um, congratulations, guys. Hope you boned without Jesus watching. But Jesus is always watching, isn't he? He's like Santa for adults, for, for real. Like, he sees you when you're sleeping. He sees you when you're banging. After a quick break, we will be back with our interview with Dr. David Gorski. Tonight, we are thrilled to be joined by Dr. David Gorski. Dr. Gorski is a surgical oncologist specializing in breast cancer surgery. Additionally, he's the managing editor and a writer at Science-Based Medicine, and he also writes under the name ORAC at the Respectful Insolence blog. So, Dr. Gorski, thank you for joining us tonight. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. So, um, I guess we're going to get started just with your backstory, and not just in medicine, but how you became, you know, this fantastic, outspoken advocate, like, against pseudoscience. <laughs> like, was there a moment? where you're just like i need to write and i need to like um like debunk all this stuff let's, let's, let's well you 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 guys uh seem a bit younger than i am so let's <laughs> go way back in time to the 1990s um right. when i was in graduate school when i was in well actually i was doing my postdoc and i i was i discovered usenet does anybody remember usenet no. has anyone ever I, used i don't huh? no but i but i know that when i've gone to like um on science-based medicine i've seen that that has impacted your life. I mean, basically, using it was was before you know for the web well, for the web. There are like thousands and thousands of discussion forums all over the world, and I came across one called alt revisionism. Now, what kind of revisionism do you think this was? Revisionist revisions, like Holocaust like, revisionism. Yeah, I was gonna guess history. Yeah, yeah, all that that great uh, so, stuff. And I came across posts by who I later. I, I first off, I had never realized there was such thing as Holocaust denial. So before yeah. that, so this is like 1998 or so, you know, it, it, it fades in the memory here now that it's like, I can't, can't believe it's approaching 20 years. But in any case, I found, I started reading this stuff and some of it was medical, you know, like he was claiming about how like in the camps, you know, like they actually treated, you know, they actually would uh, treat them well and feed, feed, like feed them milk to get them back up to strength when they had problems. <laughs> they gave them gummy bears. And, and, it was a, and then and they went on about, you know, uh, they really didn't have protein 
protein, you know, you know the, it, it all went into, you know, the, the various forms of starvation. Well, to make a long story short, because, you know, that, that was sort of my gateway drug into skepticism. And I was active on alt-revisionism for a few years until, like most of Usenet, it uh, deteriorated into spam and uh, trolls and, uh, you know, everything. I don't know that, I don't know if too many people use Usenet anymore, although it does still exist as Google Groups. A couple, like a year or two later, I discovered, it basically was an alternative medicine news group. And that's where I discovered, you know, the various forms of quackery, the anti-vaccine stuff. So I had about a six, so so I started my blog in December of 2004. Um, although it didn't really get going till 2005. I was just kind of dabbling until then. And so I had like six years of, you know, experience on Usenet. And I, at that point, I sort of did it on a whim once. It was like this, I remember it was like this gray, dank Saturday. And I set it up on Blogger. If you're, and uh, I, I guess the rest is history. You know, about a year later, Science Blogs invited me to uh, join. And I still can't, I, I still have a hard time believing Science Blogs still exists. <laughs> but it does. I guess I've been too lazy to move. So. so you're there. And obviously, the work that you do, it, it has resonated with like people like us who are definitely fans of what you do. And then, well, Kevin Fulta had a question. Well, for, um, but, but, he, oh, I didn't get in. The, and then, of course, Steve, Steve invited me to be part of Science oh, Right, yes. You know, like in, yeah. in late 2007, and that was the... <laughs> to be honest, science-based medicine has taken off more than my old personal blog. It's definitely much more widely read than my personal blog. I mean, it, it just seems like such a go-to, like, great resource for anybody who's looking for articles debunking various forms of pseudoscience and quackery, and we definitely frequent it and, you know, appreciate the work that you guys do. And so then, obviously, in sort of the alt-med and pseudoscience and woo-like communities, there are people who probably aren't as happy about all the stuff that like oh well that like you do like yes. you know like <laughs> like like mike adams <laughs> kevin kevin Bolta so asked us to ask you how, how has he how has he impacted your your life and practice okay the health ranger <laughs> on the one hand I'm, on the one hand I, come on, I, come I, on. we can we can only we can only do this live stream for four hours so let's try to keep it brief <laughs> well in any case on the one hand i'm happy to talk about it on the other hand i hate to acknowledge that he's caused me right. any you know, any issues. But so about a year ago, a little more than a year ago now, for whatever reason, and I can't figure out what it was, I think it had to do with me writing about Andrew Wakefield's movie Vaxxed and the whole Tribeca thing where, you know, it was accept, you know, where it was accepted and then pulled. Um, he started writing articles about me, you know, that were basically, you know, you know, at, you know, personal attacks. Um, pro- you know, you, you could you could basically call them libelous, although he's very clever in that he, he always leaves some plausible deniability, you know, that, you know, in his articles that would make it very difficult to actually sue him for libel. And of course, he actually, I suspect, wants to be sued. Like get some attention or something? With Either that, I think, no, one time he showed up, one time he actually showed up on the blog and just said one word, discovery. <laughs> you know the process of discovery in a lawsuit, right? Right. So Yeah, so so he just popped in and gave you that. In any case, <laughs> um, basically, um, for about two or three months, it was like almost every day. I, I, I think since I, I, I've collected the links to all everything that he did, and we're up into the 40s, you know, over the course of a year. Granted that most of that was concentrated in those like initial three months. And then every so often, he still throws something out at me. He just did it a couple weeks ago <clears throat> um, on that article where the, about breast surgeons, suppo- you know, supposedly uh, doing double mastectomies for no reason. I'm surprised he hasn't come after 
for me based on that case of the British surgeon that was in the news recently who actually did do a lot of unnecessary surgery. I'm sure it's coming. He's he's working on it. Like so he he obviously just pays attention to everything you do and Well, I don't know. I mean, say that or you just you know. have an idea. I mean, I don't know. The guy I, I I fluctuate between whether I think the guy is just you know nuts or he's just a con man or both. I don't know cuz that's basically Maybe a little bit of both. I mean, I I think there has to be an element of true belief there, but on the other hand, man, the stuff he says is just so off the wall. It's really well, just a and- ruse to launch his uh, rap career. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Yes, his 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 career as a musician is painful to behold. Uh, I don't know if you ever saw his vaccine zombie video. I I, I watched the the GMO one. I think we even featured it on an early episode uh, okay. of our show Let's here. Vaccine zombie on his site. Um, it is <laughs> like and okay. So so to us, like it seems like he's this sort of like caricature, like almost like a, somebody created this weird dude saying all like the fact that he has music. Like it's just so strange. But there are people that go to like natural news and use that as a oh, well, resource. How oh, does this happen? Very popular. If you search for my name, some of his attack, some a couple, at least a couple of his hit pieces will show up on the first page. Yeah, like I know truth wiki. Truth wiki. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Truth wiki entry about me, which is also natural news. It's a Mike. Well, it's Mike Adams owns right. truth wiki. You know, he he put it together. So I mean, obviously that's not good. It's basically my Google reputation is trashed. <laughs> Well, he's not, Which yeah, he's not, like, yeah, the stuff he, and the stuff he's sharing is not very intelligent, but he's, but he has that computer background, so he knows how to manipulate search oh, engines. Oh, you know how he got his start, don't you? I'm sure if we looked at his bio, yeah. it would say, I mean, I know, no, he, no, no. I know <laughs> no, is it not at his bio? Topic of another podcast. No, no, he got started <laughs> in the late, in the late 90s selling Y2K stuff. Right. Oh, no way. I didn't know that. I, I just knew that he, like, didn't do drugs and he knows martial arts. I know that from his bio. I he has no criminal re- record. No criminal record. Never been arrested. Well, and, and not to attend graduate school. And he supposedly cured himself with type two diabetes through diet. Which I mean, the, the thing about that is, yes, it is possible to cure yourself with type two diabetes through diet if you lose enough weight and exercise. I, I don't know if you. Well, or I should say, you can control it. You know, you don't really cure it, right? Yeah. So, so he's he's a fan. He's a fan of people who um who speak about science. Well, I mean, you, 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 you mentioned Kevin Falta. You go. He went after him too. Oh, see, I didn't. Re- I I guess I didn't realize that um Mike Adams went after Kevin. Too. I, I mean, I just, it's, it's always Monty Hari in my mind when I. You probably don't remember this, but he put up a website called Monsanto Collaborators. Oh. Was that the one that got him investigated by the FBI? That was the one that border, you know, was like borderline death threats that he had to take yeah. down because the FBI actually went and talked to him about it. <laughs> <laughs> like, Mike, you can't do this to people. <laughs> but um, in any case. In any case, though. So, so, like, so there, there are people that, that buy into all of this kind of hype about, well, like, you know, somebody probably watched his back vaccine zombie um music video and thought this guy this guy's onto something whatever i mean seriously you gotta is, watch that video which is strange i had like i know what i'm doing as soon as we're done with this tonight, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna be googling that and watching it the video is basically a takeoff on michael jackson Oops, oh, like, like thriller? In the background, don't worry. Okay, that's why we got it. It's all right. It's real life. So, um, okay, so speaking of that, oh, no, wait till it. This is still happening. <laughs> <laughs> Last so, thing. Sorry about that. Yeah, that's right. It's, you know what it is? It's a, it's this fundraiser that calls every night about this time. 
Now it's Mike Adams. He's, he heard that we're talking about him. Oh, <laughs> well, that would be right. funny. But uh, no. well, one of these um, days, one of these days, we may we may meet face to face. It might happen, right? It's, yeah. I don't think right, so. so. I don't I, think someone like him like really wants that though. I think he he enjoys yeah. the taking taking shots from afar. I don't think he actually he did. I mean, he obviously doesn't want to like honestly engage and discuss that because oh, well, he no, he obviously not support anything. No, clear, clearly not. And and I mean, the other thing that he did, which is so blatantly obvious, is that he he targeted my cancer institute so like he started saying horrible you know things about my cancer institute he started trying to link me to a doctor by the name of Farid Fata I don't know if that name's if you heard it about two or three years ago this is the guy who um, was arrested and convicted of arrested for and convicted of um, giving patients you know a lot more chemotherapy than they needed and giving some patients who didn't even have cancer chemotherapy he was like a perfect villain for um, for um, for a guy like Adams and he happened to yeah. work in a close enough to one of our satellite clinics at the time that they, you know, link the Adams tried to link him to my cancer center and meet. So, and there was no link. And in fact, I at the time he was arrested, I had written, you know, what, you know, just how horrible this guy is. <laughs> it's like, wow. So he, like, so he just. So he's trying to make trouble for me at work. Yeah. But he's like probably the biggest because about. Well, because he has he has this big platform and people listen to what he says, which. Which, is, which seems strange, but but they do because he presents this like alternate sort of worldview to what like big pharma and you know whatever the biotech industry that's killing us through our food and, and whatever whatever conspiracy theory because he's he he has all of them I think. Oh yeah, he he's he yeah, GMOs, vaccines. Is he chemtrailer? No, he's he's he. Oh, I'm trying to think of the name of the video. He did a video that basically claimed that you know he is the, the you know like the keeper of true science and scientists are evil. You know, and that you know, science is responsible for the Holocaust and et cetera, et cetera. So he just he just takes it to eleven. This guy just with I don't everything. think eleven. <laughs> he just he just goes for it, and yeah. So it's so it's I just, mean, in a way, that plays in my favor because the guy is so obviously nutty that when people yeah. see his stuff, they you know. Well, it's because it it is easy to it's easy to mock because it is so out there and ridiculous. Like he, that he doesn't just stick to like you know vaccines and medicine and that kind of stuff. He he goes all over the place so he doesn't doesn't discriminate and and at the risk of getting political he's a very he's a very strong trump supporter (laughs) oh i follow him on twitter and And he's also also like a rising star in the alt-right really see i didn't know that bit oh yeah he's he's made he was major trump like he was so stoked he used to work for alex jones like he did did, did, um videos for alex jones until there was some parting of the ways a couple of years ago I didn't, didn't know that, but I'm not surprised. I'm not at all surprised by that. Wow. Oh, geez. Like there, there's just there's so much crazy and so many levels of crazy, even just in like this this one person. And then there, like, I, there's a lot. And now, okay, so I want to talk about some like I mean, we talk about vaccines. We talk about kind of an anti-vax movement that, that still exists, which to me seems again kind of out there that people don't really care about you know vaccine preventable diseases coming back or whatever. Um, you live in Michigan, right? right. So I. I saw on on Facebook you had recently written like a represent your representative or something about some legislation My state happening. Representative, yes. Can you talk a little bit about what's happening in Michigan having to do with vaccines and exemptions? And all okay. That? Well, Michigan, you know, over the last several years has had an absolutely atrocious um, vaccine uptake and exemption rates. You know, like for for personal belief exemptions, you know, P- PBEs as they call them, which basically I like to call, refer to as I don't wanna because you know. <laughs> 
Um, yes. It had yeah. a little lack. You know, it was very lax. All parents had to do was like write a little letter or sign a little form and say, you know, and give it to the school. So <clears throat> in late 2014, the Department of Health and Michigan Department of Health and Human Services decided to try to do something about it. And what they did was they uh, made an administrative rule that said that, well, parents could, you know, you know, obviously they couldn't ban non-medical exemptions because that would require a change in the law. But what they said was, if you want a non-medical exemption, you know, two things. First, you have to go to your county health office, sit, you know, sit through an educational session on the risks of, you know, not vaccinating and non-vaccine preventable diseases, et cetera. And second, you have to use the state mandated form, which in which you're basically acknowledging the risk to your child and to the community of not vaccinating. And it actually worked, you know, not um, exemptions are down by something like 35% since then, um, you know, vaccination rates have gone up. Um, and of course, this did not sit well with the, you know, anti-vaccine people here in Michigan. Yeah. yeah. Um, just because, <laughs> I mean, they could still get their personal belief exemptions. It was just a bit more difficult. You had to go to the county health office and yeah, you had to sit through, I don't know how long the educational session is, but you had to sit through, you know, and I mean, if you're a really true believer, okay, you do it and you just like roll your eyes while you listen to the, you know. Yeah, you just know, like it's a formality. Time. Just do it. Yeah. Um, but they hated the idea of this. And they're unfortunately what's happened in the last five years or so, it predates Trump, but I think Trump put it on steroids, is the idea of linking freedom and anti-government conservatism and, you know, parental quote unquote rights to the idea of being able to opt out of vaccines. And it's been a very effective political strategy because basically, you know, and it's worth, you know, it's not just Michigan, Texas, there was an article recently about how in Texas, it's really been, you know, the anti-vaccine movement is really linked up with like Tea Party conservatives, etc. But it's the same thing here in Michigan. In any case, they there a bill bills were introduced in the House and the Senate, you know, that, that would one, get rid of the rule, you know, rescind the rule Two, tell the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services that it can't make rules like that in the future. And, and the three, which and this is the really bad one that I cannot for the life of me understand, um, forbid the Department of Health and Human Services from from writing a rule that would empower local health officials to ban unvaccinated children from school in the event of an outbreak or cases of vaccine preventable disease in the school, which so is one a population that's susceptible. Thing I can think, you know, it, it's basically okay. It's a way to turn one case into an outbreak, a small right. outbreak into a large outbreak. <laughs> you know, it's like yeah, because because keeping kids out of school that's like you, that works early. Once you have a significant outbreak, the cats, you know, the bar, the horse is left, the barn door is open. You know, it's closing the barn door after the horse is out. So it, it is just it's opening up this possibility to people, children getting sick. Right. And, and I mean, so I wrote to my representative whose name is Jeff Noble and, and, you know, and so did my wife. And so it's Saturday, we both got identical letters, you know, that basically said, thanks for writing, but this is about freedom, you know, or like, this is about government overreach. That's the other thing. And the funny thing is, you know, what he said is exactly the same language that you find on like the Michigan, um, one of the Michigan anti-vaccine groups. It's like something at Michigan for vaccine choice, I think is what it is. It's like almost the same language. Um, and it's not a coincidence, I think, that a few months ago, back in the fall, Del Big Tree, if you know who he is. Oh, we know who he is. Max, yeah. Fantastic filmmaker. <clears throat> oh, yes. Well, 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 I mean, he, sa- he says, wait, well, they claim Wakefield directed the beef, but... Uh... Oh, Del, Del Big Tree, which like best worst name ever. Like... Smarmy <laughs> as hell. <laughs> in any case, exactly what he sounds like. Back in October and met with a bunch of our legislators, you know, and, and 
And, you know, one who is fortunately no longer in the legislature because of term limits, uh, Tom Hooker. I mean, there was, they put, he, they put a video up of, of this guy. And I mean, he's like laying down every anti-vaccine trope in the book, plus the whole freedom angle, plus the, um, you know, plus the whole thing about how uh, girls don't, girls in good families don't need Gardasil because they won't be promiscuous. You know, that brain dead uh, <laughs> argument. <laughs> These are my le- these are our legislators here. <laughs> these are the people that are that are in charge. Wow. So in any case, you know, we got that letter back, and that kind of annoyed me enough to write that post for my, for Monday. Um, yeah. Of course, my other senator, or I'm sorry, my other representative, who senate my state senator Patrick Kolbeck, is a piece of work himself. Um, he he he's sponsoring the Senate versions of the uh, of these bills, um, whereas my representative is my my state representative is sponsoring the the House of Representatives versions of these bills. Um, and not only that, but like a while back, he was promoting trace amounts on his Facebook page, which if you remember that movie, it's when yet another anti-vaccine propaganda film one, yeah. the, the, of the uh, mercury variety, if I recall correctly. I did, that's one that I actually didn't see. I've seen most of them, but that one I haven't seen. I haven't seen that. I've seen Vaxxed, which is just a I've seen Vaxxed. Movie, I've but... seen um, The Greater Good. I've seen... <laughs> I love the titles that they give these things too, to like sensationalize the whole. But in any case, well, he's also, like, unfortunately, being receptive to this sort of thing is not his only issue. I mean, he's, I've seen him question evolution on his, you know, Facebook page and being kind of intelligent design. He's, he's a climate science denialist, for sure, you know, big time. Uh, You know, I could go on. It's, and, and. and, So all the things, just open to all of I mean, I feel feel like I'm, I feel like I'm living, like, in Mississippi or something, as far as my representation goes. (laughs) Say, I'm in Indiana, and. I mean, it's not okay. Like- I could be in Indiana too. <laughs> well, you had my kid. I know. I know. It, it, like, like I, I posted on like like fifteen different people's statuses today. Like, we weren't joking when we said how fucking awful this guy is. He is. <laughs> literally the worst like it wasn't you weren't kidding that he's caused an AIDS outbreak in Indiana that he's just literally like one of the worst people worse than Trump in my opinion well I know I'm so torn when people say they hope that Trump is forced to resign and I'm like yeah but 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 the replacement (laughs) he's actually good at his job like he's awful ideology but he knows how to get shit done because he did did it Indiana he didn't like the rules so he changed them yeah so you know in any case this fortunate Fortunately, I just learned today that the governor opposes this. So, of course, it's Governor Snyder. <laughs> you know, the whole Flint water crisis. Because we got the whole Flint water crisis still You've going on too. here two years yeah. later. So, so uh, Michigan. But uh, yeah. do you want do you want to not be diseased or do you want to drink water? Like you have to choose. But the but the one I can say one good thing about Governor Snyder and that it, he opposes this these idiotic bills. <laughs> so it's, so I doubt they'll go anywhere because I on the other hand he has buckled to our you know far right fringe before so I even though I doubt he would sign the bills I'm not sure enough of it that I, I want them to go any further well so so hopefully it doesn't go anywhere I mean I, this whole the idea though like what you said that you know they call it vaccine choice like but it, just they they try to it's like a euphemism for like meh, you, well, know. you know what I call I, I can't I, I, st- I don't know if I'm the first to do this but I may have been I, I refer to these things as you know basically anti-vaccine dog whistles basically <laughs> freedom you know parental rights, you know, that sort of thing, you know, that, and it's been very effective, which is part of the, you know, it used to be, you know, this, the cliche used to be that anti-vaxxers were all liberal, crunchy, hippy-dippy, you know, coastal types, and they still exist, but the loudest voices
voices of the anti-vaccine movement have, over the last few years, have been consistently moving right. You know, like, I mean, I wrote an article a lot of like 2015 or something. Is the is the Republican Party becoming the anti-vaccine party? Because there's so much anti-vaccine rhetoric at the second Republican presidential debate that you know, and of course there's Donald Trump who has been spewing anti-vaccine nonsense since at least 2007, um, which is the first time I noticed him. <laughs> as like as that kind of person. The only, good, to... the only good thing I can say about it is that he hasn't really done anything about it. Yeah, he met with Robert F. Kennedy Jr., but as far as I know, he hasn't done anything. Well, yeah, and so hopefully on that kind of level, it doesn't come even worse than it is. And it, and so it like as far as you know, medicine goes, people are people are refusing vaccines or not wanting to put any of that into their children's bodies or whatever. But then it seems like people are embracing alternative medicine and complementary alternative medicine yeah. and all of that. And so like because one of our friends asked this too. It's like, why, like, how has CAM kind of become this big thing that people are choosing? Um, I mean, this goes back, like, even before I became interested in any of this stuff, because, I mean, this this is the sort of thing, this goes back to at least the 60s or 70s, although it really picked up steam in the 90s. Um, and... You know, it's. It, I don't know that I understand the history of it well enough. But first off, it's. It's. I think that you know part of its distrust of you know the traditional like pharma and um, government, etc., which has obviously gotten worse over the last twenty some odd years. But second, it's like a brilliant. Co- again, it's co-opting language the way that, like the anti-vaxxers did. So you start out, you know, as I like to say, okay, it started out. It's it, once there was quackers. <laughs> okay, then it became alternative medicine, but that's still wasn't good enough because it, it implied you know that it wasn't really medicine it was like kind of alternative it wasn't sure, yeah. a real thing so then it became complementary and alternative medicine which is like oh no we don't use it instead of real medicine we use it with real medicine like they're together uh, working like a partnership good, right but that and, and that one that term ruled for a good 15 plus years i mean from the 90s until you know maybe like you know 2010 you know in the later part of the first decade of the, of the 2000s but that wasn't good enough because complementary still implies a subsidiary status. It's the icing on the cake. It's complementary. It's not quite medicine. So thus was born integrative medicine. We are integrating so equals. This is the best of both <laughs> worlds. And that is now the, and, and it's even gone beyond that now because, you know, I'm, I'm seeing another evolution and it's there in the name of, of what NCAM, if you, you, you know, NCAM, when they renamed it, what did they call it? The National Center for complementary and integrative health. So they're not even calling it medicine anymore. It's it's complement. It's integrative health. And I've noticed this more and more. The more the more I look at it, the more I'm seeing examples. And I don't know if confirmation bias or if it's really a thing. But it's so it seems like it's all about language and it's all about kind of selling in in a way like selling this. Well, it's an alternative to kind of the pharma and doctors and scientists who actually know how the body works. Right. Yeah. And I mean, and and I'm uh, you know we have to take our lumps as a medical profession because for instance there are doctors that I know to be good doctors who are working for instance with naturopaths but they have no idea what naturopathy is they just think it's like this kind of natural thing so for instance in 2014 I managed somehow managed to <coughs> I had been in, invited to write a review article on, um, comp, uh, on integrative oncology for nature reviews cancer which like was a big deal man it's probably my highest um, you know highest impact
Impact Factor journal I've ever been in. So, um, and I, you know, I won't go through the details, of, but but there was a part where I talk about homeopathy. Now, the Society of Integrative Oncology was not happy with my review and wrote a letter, of course, you know, and they said, well, we don't do homeopathy. We know homeopathy is, bo- you know, bogus. I, I'm paraphrasing, obviously. Yeah. Right. So my response was, okay, you recently published clinical guidelines on breast cancer, and uh, I forget if it was two or two or three of the authors were naturopaths. Do you know that all naturopaths study homeopathy? It's part of naturopathy. It's so yeah. much part of naturopathy that all the big naturopathy schools have devote significant course time to it. And well, in that's fact, because, in the that's States, because they spend more time. They spend more time than actual medical doctors, though, in training. I know. Asking to tell you all about it, but but that you know, and that's not all. In states where naturopaths are licensed, you know, they take a they take an exam, which I would love to see. It's called the NPLEX. But there's a section in the NPLEX on homeopathy. Not only that, but most naturopaths use homeopathy. Not all. I'll admit some of them don't, but a lot, but most of them do. Finally, one of your co-authors, one of your naturopath co-authors, is the principal investigator, or was at the time a principal investigator on a homeopathy trial. <laughs> and you don't know this? You know, it's like, yeah. come on. Well, right. To, to just not even have a sense uh, that this is something that is included in the practice of like I mean, naturopaths they, they, study you know, this. There's a, there's a blind spot mm-hmm. in, among some of my colleagues, you know, who, who have embraced this, that they just don't, you know, they think it's just, yo- you know, yoga. I got nothing against yoga. It's exercise. You know, we, exercise is good. We know this, you know, <laughs> it's like uh, exercise is part of regular medicine. We tell patients mm-hmm. to exercise all the time. You know, we know eating a better diet is good. We know losing weight is good. You know, that's fine. We don't need a separate specialty called integrative medicine to do that. And of course, if that's all it was, that specialty wouldn't exist. It exists because of the woo. Well, and then when people decide that, you know, to kind of forego anything in like real medicine and then and then just do some of the crazy stuff, like use black salve or other just like, you know, quote unquote, natural remedies for things. Like how, like, how do you feel as, as a, you know, as an oncologist and as, you know, scientist, doctor, and when you hear about people doing this kind of stuff? Well, I mean, it always either saddens or upsets me. I mean, I occasion, I'm fortunate in that I don't see too many patients who have done that. <laughs> But, you know, occasionally we I'll see a patient who's neglected her breast cancer because she's gone to a naturopath or whoever, you know, some alternative treatment, and it's just gotten bigger and bigger and bigger and started to erode through the skin and all of that. I, I do, st- you know, maybe once a year see that. Um, and at that point, it's really, you know, the management is really hard, you know, whereas it wouldn't have been quite so hard, you know, a year ago. <laughs> or, you know, I, I mean, it, it's, you know, but, but, but that's fairly easy to talk, you know, I don't know of any doctor who would really say that's okay. But then you say, well, you know, okay, she was using these methods instead of what I say is she was using these methods instead of medicine, but you don't have a problem with her using these methods with medicine, even though it's just as much quackery, you know, either way, it's the same thing, you know, it's just okay, but she's getting real medicine too. I, I mean, I could sort of see a moral argument, I guess, if you say, well, if you don't, if you don't let her do this along with the medicine, she might not get the real medicine. She might go all for the alternative. Okay, I can see that argument. I could even make that argument. But we as physicians should not be encouraging that. Yeah, so it's, so, I mean, is it just about trying to steer them in the right? Yeah, yeah. Well, because that, that's the thing, because it's, it is that tricky thing of like, you want somebody. But we should. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, right. And that, that's where I feel like it's hard. To get the patient treated, but we should not be offering it or, you know. Encouraging it in any way, right? Because it's, it is quackery. And yes, and so that, like, that just has to be the tricky thing as a physician 
to want the best for the patient and to steer them in the right direction where they're not wanting to give in to that. Like, And the other thing that bothers is the way integrative medicine basically co-opted what should be science-based modalities like diet, exercise, etc. I like to point out, for instance, that if you're a new, someone who's newly diagnosed with type 2 diabetes, what, do, what does the American Diabetic Association say that you, you know, the first mo, the first intervention should be? Put, on, put you on metformin? Is, no! Lose is weight! It, is it diet and diet. exercise? Like, right? Yeah. Metformin yeah. doesn't have, you don't get put on metformin until that fails. So, and because I think it seems like it's forgotten that all of this stuff, you know, diet, exercise, whatever, it's not forgotten by, you know, you know a traditional, a regular doctor. It's, that's all part of being a healthy person. And, and the, well, and the other, I mean, the other thing that they, they like to make it seem like it's easy to get people to do this stuff. It's like, okay, one reason maybe primary care doctors may sometimes not emphasize this stuff the way as much as we would like is because it's really hard to get patients to do this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. it's not easy. Yeah. And so you, you do what you can, right? And then like, if there are patients actually just want to take a pill as opposed to change their, yeah. well, change and, I, their whole and I think lifestyle. even then, yeah. And even then it's, it's, if you're taking something that you're told is natural or came mm. from the earth or whatever, that's like, you're still, you're doing something while like not doing something, not being active, not changing your diets, but it's, it feels better. And that's what's more important to them is how it feels and is effective or is helping anything. But, uh, and, and, and none of this ever goes away. I just, <laughs> I just had a patient the other day ask me if it was, if it was okay to take vitamin B17. Now, do you know what vitamin B17 is? Me- metabolizes into, into metabolizes it, cyanide. It's laetrile. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's laetrile. If you remember laetrile from the late set from the seventies, it was, a, I, I, that was sort of, I, I vaguely remember it because I was in high school at the time uh, and obviously wasn't paying attention to or interested in this stuff back then. Uh, but I do vaguely remember it, you know, it, and, you know, there were a couple of big stars who went for that, you know, and still died anyway. But I mean, these are stars who had, like, I think it was, I think Michael Landon actually went for some laetrile because he had, but he had pancreatic cancer, which, you know, is a really bad one. And he probably, you know, he, you know, it's, he would have, he would have died either way, but, you know, it's. Oh, so um, one of our, one of our other friends, Michael asked a question, um, just having to do with people who were terminal, who are terminally, terminally ill and asked like about right to try laws. What are your, like, what are your thoughts on, you know, like if somebody has a terminal illness, right trying to yeah. a phenomenon that's kind of, you know, um, it's, it's very difficult to advocate against, even though it's horrible for, potentially horrible for patients. Mm-hmm. There's a reason why it's gone. For, it, I think the first right try passed about three years ago, roughly. And now it's there are right to try laws in 33 states. It's a very conscious, well, here's the, here's the thing. So what are, what are right to try laws? They, you know, so basically they say, if you have a terminal illness, you can have access to an experimental therapeutic that has, if, if the company agrees, that has passed phase one testing and is still in active development. Now, phase one is a really low bar for safety. Basically, phase one trials are, they're sometimes called first in human trials because that's what they are. Uh, you take about maybe 20, 30 patients and they get, they do it, they give it at different doses and they're just looking for the worst toxicity. You know, that's all they're looking uh, is Are the toxicities at these doses manageable to the point where we can move on and try it, you know, a, a, uh, a bigger clinical trial. Is there any indication of activity? But a- indication of activity is not absolutely necessary for a phase one trial because the numbers are so small. The idea is it's a safety trial, basically, but it's a really low bar. <clears throat> and most medications that pass phase one don't get through phase three. 
three, which is, you know, phase two are the big, are the smaller randomized trials. And then phase three is the big randomized trial that you do before getting approved. The other, so here, so here, here's how, right, here are some aspects of right to trial laws that are very bad patient. Um, first off, there is, you know, there's no mechanism for pay, payment. So basically, if you're rich or can raise a lot of money, you can, uh, you, you might be able to do the right try. There is no, pay, it basically strips patient protection. Um, there's, you know, it, it, at this point, it's good to talk about expanded access programs with the FDA. If you're, if you get drugs through an expanded access program in the FDA, you are still under all of the patient protections of the clinical trials that are going on. And there's an institutional review board. You're still, your case is still overseen by that. You still, you still, they still have to give the drugs to you by the protocol. They have to, you know, they're, they're a protection, right to try, no protection. Uh, and, uh, and, it, and if you, it also, even it, the laws in some of the states can even be interpreted as saying, well, first, they definitely say that insurance companies don't have to pay for it, which you can, you know, it's experimental therapeutics. They, they don't usually pay for experimental therapeutics anyway, but it can be interpreted as saying that if you have a complication due to like a right to try drug, that they don't have to pay for the care that that complication, you know, required. Yeah. I mean, and then doctors, companies, uh, they're all immunized against lawsuits. So even if your doctor screws up something awful while giving you a right to try drug, you can't sue. Um, so as a patient, you're you're kind of signing away all of... You're signing away a lot of patient protection. Yeah. And of course, companies aren't that thrilled about this because um, they see only bad, you know, first off, some, you know, some of the smaller companies, they may have put all their money, you know, all their capital into making up enough drug to do the clinical trials that they need to do. And there's not much left over. Uh, so they may be very reluctant. And, and of course, these laws don't mandate that they do it, but then they get, you know, they look bad if they don't. If, you know, now, fortunately, federal law, you know, supersedes state law. So, I mean, I, I've called right to try placebo legis legislation because it looks like you're doing something. It makes you feel good, but you're really doing nothing, <laughs> you know. Um, however, th that doesn't mean that they're not pernicious. The problem is that if this is a conscious conscious strategy on the part of the Goldwater Institute, um, which is the libertarian think tank that came up with the template that almost all of these laws follow. It's a, there's a conscious strategy on the part of the Goldwater Institute to pass as many of these laws as they can at the state level in order to pressure the feds to um, to pass a federal right to try law. Um, and th th there have been two attempts that I'm aware of so far at that, and both have so far. Well, the first one failed. There's another one that's in committee but doesn't seem to be going anywhere. However, there's there are rumors that right to try advocates. There's something very big happening this year as far as the FDA, which is the law that the law that the law that allows the FDA to charge drug company you know, to charge drug companies for you know their approval activities is up for renewal this year. And I believe it ex it expires at the end of September. I believe so it has to be renewed or the FDA can't bill you know can't charge drug you know drug companies anymore. There are are right to try advocates who it's been there have been reports uh, that there are right to try advocates are trying to get right to try language put into that bill renewal with the thought that if they succeed at doing that no one's gonna like stop that bill from passing or veto that bill just for right to try and then it'll be baked into the FDA's you know financial legislation for the next seven years because I think these if I recall correctly I think it's every seven years that these are this law has to be renewed um I don't know where that's going to go because I mean the the, the Trump administration administration has, from what I understand, has expressed support for right to try. Um, the, word, the, the federal bills are even worse, though, than the state, because one of the worries that the companies have is that, okay, if we do right to try,
try, we, the results are still reportable to the FDA. And so if something bad happens to a patient, then that could affect our application for approval, you know, like for FDA approval. So the, what, what the federal right to try law does is it says that the FDA, if the, the FDA cannot consider what happens to people who get the drug under right to try in their deliberations over whether to approve the drug, which think of it, think about it. Let's say there's a drug where a bunch of people got it and they like died or had horrible reactions. The FDA would then be by law barred from considering those and deciding whether to choose. So it, like it's just the, the complicated kind of structure of all of it in making decisions and, and even now just- there's, Now expanded, you know, there are expanded access programs and compassionate use and almost all of them, you know, and they could be less bureaucratic. Um, the FDA made a lot of progress over the last couple of years in making it easier to apply for expanded access and they actually do approve, mo- you know, like 90 some, 90, like 99% of the applications get approved. So the real, if you view this as a problem, the way to attack it is through expanded access, you know, like giving, you know, reforming expanded access. But that's not the goal. The goal of these, you know, of, of the Goldwater Institute and a lot of these right to try advocates is that they want to weaken the FDA, neuter, you know, neuter, I like to say they want to neuter the FDA. Um, and they're used as said as, as much, or at least uh, strongly implied as much. And they, and they want to, they, they want to weaken the FDA and they're using terminally ill patients and their desperation as the vehicle to do it. I, I you know, I always said that um, one of the things, you know, it's really hard to speak out against right to try because it's like speaking out against mom, apple pie and puppies, <laughs> you know, it, it, it's difficult <laughs> to explain, but, but I, I mean, that's how it's perceived. <laughs> it's really difficult to explain yeah. in a way that people will buy why these are bad, these laws are bad ideas. They just hear you're helping terminally ill patients get experimental drugs. You know, it's a, why yeah. would you ever want to not, do, why would you not want to do that? How could it? Right. It, because, on, because on the surface it does, it seems like, you know, trying to help people in sort of a moment, but there's so much more to it when you look a little. There's also a lot of magical thinking behind these bills, yeah. but there's like all these experimental therapeutics out there that are going to save all these terminally ill patients. And there are, okay. They're, they're, and drugs are almost always incremental improvements, mm-hmm. if that. And by the time a patient is terminally ill, the chances that any new experimental drug is going to make the difference is, is really slim. Then the other argument that people make is, well, how could it be worse? Or, you know, they're going to die anyway. And, and I say, well, it can always be worse. It could be worse that you like spend your life savings and have nothing to give to your, you know, to your family as an inheritance. You could suffer complications that kill you faster and you lose, you know, however many months you might have had left. You know, you could suffer horrible complications so that you die in worse pain than you would have otherwise. You know, it, it can always be worse. Well, and I think that kind of just the idea of magical thinking like permeates a lot, a lot of these conversations too, you know, like whether it's, you know, don't vaccinate your kids because, you know, they'll be fine. Everything's good. Use, you know, experimental treatments because, you know, it might cure you. It, there's a lot of magical thinking in the well, we were all anti-vaccine movements. Anti-vaccine ideas are a good idea. There's, there's this, a lot, there's a lot of this idea that if you eat the right food, do the right exercise, stay healthy, take the right supplements, that your immune system will be so strong that you don't need vaccines, you know, that you will, you know, and, and I've, you can find this sentiment without too much difficulty. <laughs> so, and I know Dan I has vaccines or my child children don't need vaccines because they're healthy, you know? 
I know Dan has one yeah. final question for um, it, it, kind of dealing with the terminally ill yeah, people. Just, yeah, just kind of along those lines. Like, I, I, I'm totally, like, it's a complicated issue to to answer that because, like you said, it's, you have the good and the bad as far as uh, right to try. So I just, I was just kind of wondering, like, where do you fall at with, like, the, like, death with dignity uh, legislation or, like, should, do you think people should have a right uh, that, are, you know, that have been confirmed as terminally ill to... Oh, that's a tough one. And I, 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 I vacillate on that one. <laughs> um, I really do. Um, I certainly believe that patients have the, who are of sound mind, you know, et cetera, mm-hmm. who are, you know, should have the absolute right to refuse treatment. You know, as long as they understand the consequences, a, you, a, an adult, obviously children are different, but an adult has the absolute right or autonomy to refuse treatment unless doing so will somehow harm others. Although, you know, although the only way you can imagine that is in the case of infectious disease and in the worst case scenario, you quarantine them, <laughs> you know? <laughs> but, um, so I, I certainly believe that whether physicians should be euthanizing patients is something I have a bit of a problem with. And maybe it's my old Catholic upbringing, or maybe it's, I just have a hard time coming to, you know, support that. Right. <laughs> Cause I, I mean, I, re, you know, I really, I do tend to take the Hippocratic oath seriously, which is you shall not, you know, caught in harm patients with your art, you know, and I guess you can argue on the definition of the word harm, <laughs> but uh, right. it's, I have a hard time embracing, you know, physician assisted suicide. I have no problem hospice, fusing treatment, palliative care, all of, and in fact, if our palliative care system were better, there might be fewer patients who want physician assisted suicide. On the other hand, I don't think that, you know, in places where it's been allowed that the, all the horrible things that, you know, opponents predicted have come to pass, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I, I mean, I know, I don't know how Natalie feels as I don't think we've ever talked about it on our own, but I know I've never talked about how, 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 how did I, uh, <laughs> topic of a different podcast, but yeah. I mean, I, I don't, I don't like you said, like, you don't want to do harm. I don't see it as just with me. And of course I'm not a physician, so I haven't, don't have that experience that you do. So that's why I was interested just to hear your thoughts, because like, if, if we, if we know like a hundred percent like that, and I don't see value in having somebody just on painkillers and, and, you know, just making sure that they're comfortable. And, you know, if they're, you know, half alert or, um, and this is off the top of my head, I can't think of the woman. Uh, I don't know if it was last fall or last summer uh, out in uh, Oregon or someplace who had uh, just an awful aggressive brain cancer where she just has episodes where, um, you know, it's just loses control and just doesn't have any idea what's going on. It's just in just horrifying things like that. Like, I don't like allowing that to happen. If somebody is able to, to, I guess, I don't, I don't even know how to phrase this correctly, address it or uh, expedite the process. Like, I feel like that's more humane if that, if it's, if it is truly what that person wants and we've, no, go ahead. I didn't say anything. (laughs) Oh no, I I thought, I thought you did. Uh, But I, I feel like that's, that's more, more humane than, than, you know, like I said, just kind of, but like I said, you know, you, you, you have much more (laughs) obvious experience with that. You know, I can understand that argument. Part of it might be being part of the profession that would be asked to do this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Because I, because that carries a different weight, right? Because you like to be the person that is usually, I guess, in the role of, of providing treatment and wanting to ex- like extend the life.
life, but it's, it. Ha- I mean, it just, there has to be a lot of there, a big emotional sort of component with it too. And so it would mm-hmm. be somebody who has, who has really, I guess, given a lot of thought to like that being like a thing that they feel very, or I guess as comfortable as one could feel doing something like that for patients. And so, I, I mean, it, it has to be just a lot. Um, and I, I can't really imagine putting myself in the position of the person who would have to administer whatever or help in that way. Um, yeah, so it is, it's a, it's a complicated issue, but I, but I see it, I think from the, from the point of view of a patient and a person who is at that state, like you were talking about, Dan, where it's, it's just too much. I'm just saying, that's what I would want. <laughs> if, if, if I, if I'm not aware of my surroundings, I, you know, just like, just like if I'm on, uh, you know, if I'm in a persistent, uh, vegetative state, like I don't, I don't, that's not what I want, how I want to be remembered. And so on that positive note, <laughs> leave it to me. Like, that's what I always do. I always do that. <laughs> okay. All right. So, so, you know, I, ha- I'm going to, I'm going to end with like, just, Oh the, yeah. We got a one. question from, have, uh, from uh, I David. A, I have a weird, I have, I have the weird question. So, so, so David James, our mutual friend, he has a real hard hitting question that we're going to end this whole thing on after we talked about assisted suicide. Yeah, I um, feel like this is really so, exposed. So this is, this is he, what he needs to know. Well, actually he says inquisitive housewives <laughs> want to know, are you going to keep the beard? <laughs> Oh, well, I don't, I mean, it was kind of on a whim that I started it, which I assume is how a lot of guys started. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And to my shock, you know, I mean, I've had it for like six months, five or six months now. Um, I guess the answer is in the short term, yes. In the long term, I don't know. <laughs> so everybody wait and see. And now where... Oh, see, if okay, you... so if... You know, like, some speaking engagements later in the year. So I'm sure I'll probably have it for Nexus. I doubt I'll get rid of it before then. So that leaves um, in October, you know, QED Con and um, um, CSI Con. I'll be at that one with you. I'm also yeah. speaking I about saw it. your name. You're like somewhere near where. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm there. About? I haven't actually decided so I'm, what I'm, to talk about yet. They're bugging me so for I'm, topic. Well, I'm showing, I'm showing um, my science mom's movie and then do like showing it's a 30 minute documentary and then doing like a Q. Q&A afterwards, kind of evidence-based parenting, mostly like GMO and vaccine type of stuff, but parenting, critical thinking, not being Gwyneth Paltrow, and um, oh, who now has a new magazine? I saw that. <laughs> like I, it it just it boggles my mind that she just continues her quest to like make everyone so dumb. <laughs> like it's so bad. But that like, we should just do a whole podcast about Gwyneth Paltrow sometime, Dan. But all right, so um, if people, to, you know, I've been meaning to go into her website and just poke around i mean because I, I mean every so often you hear the weird thing and, and, and a lot of them seem to have to do with let's face it you know female genitals for vagina like you got yeah, the yeah it's vagina, all about that. you got the jade eggs you got the, the eggs yeah and then there she was selling i think some like it was like moon well, dust and well, sex I'm dust on or her website like right now she's got a tote bag for 536 dollars a pair of jeans for 255 which is a deal if you look at the nordstrom mud <laughs> jeans that we featured last week on the show the what jeans? Uh, oh, there's, Nordstrom yeah. has a pair of jeans out that the mud jeans. Yeah, the dirty ones. True Americana without doing the work for four hundred twenty-five dollars. Right. I mean, being the skeptics we are, we are curious. Like, does the mud wash off? Like, do you are you able to wash them? At <laughs> is it all? real mud? Is, is it, it real, real mud? mud? What is it? <laughs> where, where, where's the mud sourced from? Is it? <laughs> it's organic, locally sourced mud from wherever you purchase. Or, is it, or is, it, is it is it artificial mud, chemical? Ooh, then that's like then that's just a whole level of bad. Somebody's gonna end up criticizing the mud jeans because they're going to be like that's um yeah that'll be natural. that'll be what brings them down that'll, that'll be, be what brings them down that's going to break down Nordstrom why is it Mike Adams <laughs> on this <laughs> 
So call to action, Mike Adams, investigate the mud jeans and then investigate the, the clear, clear knee mom jeans too. Yeah, that's a whole oh, other rabbit hole. You saw those. Those are hideous too. It's a greenhouse for your legs. All right. So to wrap this up with all of our fashion talk, um, where can people find you right. on the internet? <laughs> like, what the hell just happened here? The, What's a- <laughs> so, so tell people your, your Twitter, blogs, like where can they find you on the internet? Twitter. Twitter is Gorskan, which is, you know, basically my, my name with an O-N yeah. instead of an I at the end. <laughs> it's like, but, you know, sciencebasedmedicine.org is the, the other blog. Uh, respect, respectful Insolence is scienceblogs.com slash insolence. Well, thank you for talking to us tonight, covering a whole wide range of topics from vaccines <laughs> like to assisted suicide to uh, mudgies. Oh, I did, I did not expect it to go to the, ex- the assisted suicide. <laughs> And after the break, we'll be right back with why we love the internet. This week, the reason we love the internet is, and I can't believe I'm going to say this because I generally do not enjoy it, but... It's there. It, I, I can't stop it from existing. Um, am I talking about life? Am I talking about YouTube? Who knows? Why not both? Life am I joking? Am I serious? Life, I don't know. Is, like, I, I, not even I know. I mean, that is life. <laughs> that's like that's that's all of our existence. Is we are just living in the YouTube comments sections. But you have like a really special honor this week on YouTube. Yeah, I got I got a I got taken down uh, this week. I got or <laughs> I got deflated. <laughs> Oh. Try not. I'm really trying not to not like, to come off like, like a jerk here. But it's like, like it's kind of typical arrogant atheist. But it's just. But like, when you name yourself like, deflating atheist, I'm like, what do you want me to do? It's, yeah. So, <laughs> so when you when you sent this to me, um, you just you know <laughs> sent me a link and I and I clicked on it, and um, yeah, it. You the got, guys, yeah, the guy, yeah. there's a guy on YouTube and Facebook and uh, uh, his on Patreon. He has, he, has, he has two followers on Patreon. I see. I, I can't be that big of a dick. Don't I can't be. be that big of a dick. No, no. He, he just, he's just a guy like checking out the other content available on the internet and, you know, pointing out the flaws. <laughs> It just, he just, he's, do, he's doing his thing. Which is exhausting um, and, and so original. Uh, it's hard to do things like it's hard to sit back and just say no, but you know what? Somebody's uh, got to do Praise the law that deflating atheism is, is there for us. And this past week, uh, I just happened to be his target. Uh, yes. <laughs> Uh, so I got taken down uh, in this video. We'll put the link in the notes. It's only five minutes long, so it's uh, <laughs> pretty quick and easy, not that bad. Uh, but he, uh, the thesis is that uh, skeptic pages uh, like mm-hmm. mine and, and Natalie's are uh, they're purely just to poison the well. We share all these things like uh, vaccines work, anti-vaxxers are ridiculous people, GMOs are safe, all these things that have lots of evidence supporting them. And then we sprinkle in uh, some anti-religion things or pro-atheism things so that, you know, religion looks silly and by by association wait uh, can we can i just can i just pause for a second isn't this (laughs) sort of what happened to me last year is it isn't this cut no i didn't get a i didn't get a youtube takedown video but the tone trolling was strong oh 
Well, that's that's certainly a topic of, of another, another podcast. podcast that we will have to do because we have so much to talk about there. But yes, so so we're poisoning the well. Maybe, maybe that'll have to be a Patreon exclusive because whew, there's a Ooh. lot there. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, so so first off, uh, he we're making the assumption that religion doesn't make itself look silly, which whatever. Uh, uh, sure. Okay. <laughs> but I don't even, I, it's one of those things, I don't even know where, where to begin because the, the dude goes through, and this is the premise, like I invited him on our show. Uh, I said, hey, you know, glad to hear you agree with us about, uh, you know, vaccines being safe and GMOs being safe. Uh, you know, why don't you come on our show and we can talk about all the way, all like the mental hoops that you're jumping through to get, get to the conclusions that you're making and all the logical fallacies you're engaging in. And if, if who, whomever this individual is, is listening, uh, because apparently he's a big fan, the biggest, uh, this is a rumor <laughs> on like how to prepare to come on our show to get, you know, I don't want to say eviscerated, but we'll say do you, we'll def, deflate, deflate, deflating. I don't know. Let's how does, we'll how does have that a work? Conversation. Is, is we'll atheism have a inflated? Yeah, like is atheism that, inflated? I, don't, I mean, I don't think so, but everybody has I their own. I don't know opinion. how you deflate something yeah. that's not inf- inflated. It's how do you deflate an idea? I don't know how this works. I don't know. I, I, I there's there's a lot that I don't really understand about this whole process um, of of the YouTube takedown, but um, right. he he tried. He tried. He there there was an attempt. There was an attempt. Um, but and I just he, he did. He was so thorough. He went back like you know five days <laughs> in page posts. <laughs> well, yeah, that's the thing. It was just like uh, so we I'm going to show you the content. So bias. Yeah. And then he he chose he chose to show posts that uh, confirmed his own bias, his own personal bias. So we have you know another fallacy we're engaging in. Uh, he says that I deny the existence of Jesus in the first place. So we have a straw man fallacy because I've, there's some question that Jesus may have not existed, but it's not even to me, it's not even worth arguing because there's yeah. some evidence. So sure. I'll let you have that one. Uh, that's not even my problem. I don't even care. He's if, like, check uh, me. If, if Jesus existed. Yeah. Right. I don't even care if Jesus existed or not. Like, sure. There's a guy named Jesus from Nazareth. Why not go for it? But there's so many other like holes that religion steps in on its way to trying to prove itself to be something that is logical, reasonable, and makes any semblance of sense that I'll let you have that win. You can have that victory. You got it. Jesus Jesus was a person, but, but a person. Okay. He was not God. Yeah. I mean, like really, he this guy this guy tried. I just think it's sort of cute that there's a like attempt of a you know youtube takedown video of you like it's funny i know like i just like i just think I it's i think it's kind of you know aw like that and this is this is this is the first one i'm yeah. sure there's there, the first one i'm aware of at least mm-hmm. uh, and it's uh, skyrocketing to the front page of youtube with 376 views as of this recording um june 15th uh, in the evening <laughs> So yeah, that's that's why we yeah, love the internet. Trying to be a jerk, that, and we and we would love to to welcome this gentleman on to um, have a conversation with us. Yeah, and I I'm sure he'll be on the same episode that like Ken say, Ham joins us on. Like it's about right, as likely, right? Probably. Exactly. Well, at least at least he responded. He said, "I am very much interested. Perhaps I'll be free sometime next week." Uh, when I very clearly said, "Hey, here's my email address. Email me because I don't." Uh, I don't. I don't like YouTube. Hang out I didn't in YouTube put that comments. There, but yeah. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah. Well, if you're listening, deflating 
atheism guy. We want to talk. Talk to yeah, us. Yeah, and I mean, it'd be fine. I, it'll be something. Yeah, it'll be a, it'll thing. Be a thing. It'll <laughs> exist. Uh, can't can't uh, promise that uh, you know we won't like deflate you. I don't know what that means. <laughs> I don't either. I don't know but what that means. But it's like I think that you should just start saying that. Like I'm going to go into this comment section. Deflate. <laughs> I'm going to deflate this person. Deflate Is that a threat? <laughs> it's going to be Do the I new punching Nazis. It's just going to be like I'm going to go deflate people. The yeah, and if you if you, I I didn't know who this was actually. Uh, I got a shout out to uh, the the blog Godless Engineer uh, for bringing this video to my attention in the first place, and he also brought another video to my attention of uh, deflating atheism. Uh, I believe it's called hacking atheism, not to be confused with uh, the ISIS practice of hacking atheists and Christians and just you know At anybody in people. general yeah. <laughs> hacking all the people, but. <laughs> The, the the hacking atheism video is, oh, can I say adorable? Yeah, I think you can say that. It is I think, just because the I think, cutest yeah. thing. Yeah, I think that that's because legit. He doesn't think, even know the arguments, like the refutations we provide whenever we are arguing or debate. It's not even an argument whenever one side is demonstrably wrong. So I don't know whenever you're having a talk. But yeah, yeah. it's like it's it's cute. He uses the argument that North Koreans and Russians, like back in the day, or I guess North Korea, maybe even now, view their leaders as a god, mm-hmm. as evidence of, well, gods exist. I'm not making any part of that up. That's yep. what he says. And the and all the atrocities, of course. Oh, well, see, and this was the thing about it, too, because I, I was expecting the typical, well... Russia and, and China and, you know, whoever else, you know, they're communist, atheists, whatever. And look at all the shit that they've done that's been awful. And that's not even the argument he presented. It's like, dude, like, that's how you set it up. That's how you set the expectation and don't fulfill the expectation. Do they get, they get like a point for effort, I guess. But I, it's just, it's a failure on all their levels. But you tried. You tried. It is. But, it but yeah, you, but you know what? Come on. You can you okay. can love we, but we can love the internet for you having that video made about you. Congratulations. Yeah. Yeah. Good work getting noticed by a hater. <laughs> <laughs> I love this in all his videos he puts this quote, "Fools find no pleasure in understanding but delight in airing their own opinions." Proverbs 18:2. <sighs> Irony. Sigh. All right. Thank our thank the people who make this show possible. Uh, well, that would be me and you. I guess that's true. Yeah. I don't that's need. Awesome. Yeah. I don't need no no. But we like list- them. We like them. We we need some listeners, but then but then we have the people that go above and beyond just listening to our whatever we do. Like semi coherent ramblings. Yes, that that's all that I can aim for at this point in life is just. I mean, what what else is there? But goals. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> like, it, yeah, if I can string together a few sentences, you know, we're good. It's something. Thank the people. 
This is what is happening here. Well, I mean, like, like we said, uh, we're sorry that you had to listen to us this week. Uh, but if, if for some reason you enjoyed listening, please consider leaving us a five star rating on iTunes or Stitcher or uh, whatever weird thing you listen to us on. Uh, if you have comments, suggestions, concerns, love letters for Natalie, you can reach us at podcast at a science enthusiast.com or on Twitter or our Facebook pages, science enthusiast podcast.com, uh, all the other places. But if like you want to be a true hero, if you want to be our Jesus-like figure, our deflating atheism-like figure. If you want to deflate us, is that? I don't think. No, 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 no. I don't think we want them to deflate us. I think we want them to how do you inflate deflate us? a person? Oh my gosh! How do you deflate a person? I. I feel like that's some Dexter-level shit right there. That is. So I, I don't, I don't want to be deflated. Oh my gosh! So, but I, I want to be um, given money. Oh yeah, money. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, because, I mean, life is pointless because we all die in the end. But, I mean, we all like money. So if you have too much money and you think, you know, us just giving a show away uh, for, for you know, no real reason uh, is kind of stupid, uh, you can give us money and we'll say your name and we'll also really like you. And you can get it. Oh, we have like a VIP group even on Facebook that's got... 90 100 people in it yeah something like that yeah uh but yeah so you get in you get in behind the in the vip uh just like michael and trevor and nathan and alice and cynthia and michael and another michael uh, so that's three michaels uh and magnus and sub hannah and felix chris james sarah and josue um you know you guys are awesome and and we appreciate it and we're sorry that mostly yeah you yeah, so <laughs> mostly, mostly uh, sorry, but yeah. you know. You want a quote? Uh, yeah, hit us with a quote. The good thing about science is that it's true whether or not you believe in it. Neil deGrasse Tyson. Simple to the point. All right, so next week we're going to be back with um, John Stewart, not of the Daily Show, but of the <laughs> the band Sleeper, um, and an awesome like skeptic from the uk who talked to us about addiction and recovery um all from a like atheist secular um point of view his experience yeah, he was so he's awesome yeah because he was he was religious and he wasn't then he was and yeah. so that's it was a it was a fun fun conversation about kind of extremely serious issue so yeah i'm like it's this is like one of the shows like you know next week's show i'm like super glad to to be putting out just a topic that we hadn't talked about before and i'm super um, glad to be putting out the natalie newell story what 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 it's not the natalie newell story <laughs> oh my god no it's not i'm just happy to be talking to you after taking a week break from, we did i know Week Thank and a you. Half, it felt like I, it, it was. It was a while. I'm sorry. I. It's I, no. It's that's not even. Yeah, exactly. And that's life. that's the thing is. I think I I know I at least try to I aspire to be as good as some of the other podcasts that uh, I know you and I listen to uh, in our leisure time, and I think we at least I get caught in that trap of trying to live up to that <laughs> for these people who you know don't have anything else to do but do that because they're that fucking good at it and 
they do it for a living or they do multiple shows for a living. And when, you know, you're a single parent, like we both are and you work and, you know, sometimes you just need a week or two off because again, like when we make an episode, we get money from you awesome people on Patreon too. So that's money. You know, we're not charging you for the weeks. We're not putting out shows. So that is a bummer for us. And, you know, we don't get the ad money too. So that's also uh, a downside. So we're, we're doing yeah. our best, but Sometimes yeah, we just I, need a break. And yeah. we're, gonna, we're probably going to take another break uh, in a couple of weeks uh, when we go to Nexus. When you go to Nexus, I might try oh. to I might try to go for like a day. We have well, we have a, a room with two beds. Only half of the other bed is going to be occupied. So I know I I'm thinking about coming down. I'm like, well, you know, I'm I'm moving next week, and like I've got got a lot of a lot of stuff going on. So if I could, if I could make it, I would love to be able to go to Nexus, even just for like a day or two and like just to see friends and stuff, hang out with you. And because I think I can kind of, I can kind of use that too, you know. We could probably get away with doing like a live record there too, like side by side. Oh, that'd be super fun. Oh, that's a little bit extra motivation to try to make it. I might try to make it. We could have, and then we could have uh, our friends, Hira, who is going to be staying in the same room with with or sharing a room uh with me and my my girlfriend and i you could have her as our guest even or Um, my girlfriend too i I don't think she wants to do that though i might need to try to make this happen i will i will think about what i'm up to that week and maybe i can like take the train down from vermont or something it's a long fucking ride but I I have no idea how far away Vermont is from Manhattan. Oh, okay, so so the part of Vermont that I'm going to be in, it's like 45 minutes from the Canadian border, so it's like way the fuck up there. Like, well, I'm sorry yeah. to hear that. But you know, if 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 Donald Trump's America goes south, I can I can run for the border. Bring my passport. Right, I can escape. I I guess I, I, I guess I, I can take know. Matt with me too. Like, if all hell is breaking loose. Well, and I'm married to Indianapolis now. Yeah, for life. So I can't made it for life. Leave my well until my kids turn eighteen. Yeah. Yep. So. So yeah, but I I will see what the logistics would be to get to uh, to get to Manhattan from Vermont, and you know, and hey, I, like I wonder if. Like, you're going to run into somebody who's like, oh, yeah, I listen to your podcast. You know, like, what that I don't happen? I don't know that I want that because then that's going to be profuse apologizing. Uh, I'm yeah. so sorry. Like in real life apologies. Like, this is just, so we, we just apologize into the void when we. Right. And, and yeah. we don't even really mean it when when we're saying it here. Sorry, not sorry. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But but, you know, you could maybe do a real life apology. I don't I don't do apologies very well. Like I try to. But I just I I can't do apologies well. Well Because when when you're perfect and you never do anything wrong, you have nothing to apologize for. There you go, the Dan Broadbent story. So on that note, my perfect co host is gonna go put this episode together. And I'm sorry that you've made it this far. People listening. But we love you. Have a great day, night, whatever. See you next week. Yeah, we're done. That's a wrap. Nobody says that. Nobody says that's a wrap. I say it.
I'm going to bring it back. That. I do. I can say whatever I want. Free speech. Yellow. <laughs> yeah, you're always surprising me with with the cheerfulness of all of this. So, yeah. you know. Yeah, no, nobody, nobody even brought up William Shatner. <laughs> Oh, we, you know, we, we specifically. We figured, I know. I know. We, we, did it. Not to. we, we were told your, your yeah, agent told us not to. <laughs> life is continuing. Life, life is happening. Yeah, I know. It fucking sucks. But, it's yeah. it's literally the worst. It is. Yep. It's life. But what but, are you gonna do? But yet, nevertheless, we persisted or something. What, you, yeah, what else? What else are you gonna do? <laughs> like, there's there's really no other option. Like. I mean, there is, but like. But who wants that? Why would you do that? I know, like. Well, why? Pass. I mean, why would you specifically do that now? Yeah, I've, I've got some in general. Good, I've got that's yeah. A, that's, a, that's a that's a entire like podcast that's a whole different series. Podcast? That's a like whole a podcast, other. like a whole other yeah. yeah, not even different episode, just new series. Oh fuck no! Tonight's episode of the Science and the, oh fuck me, I haven't done this in long in a long time. I never mess up. It's 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 okay. You're a little rusty. It's, I'm a little rusty. It's been it's a while. Always, it's always tough whenever you come back from a dry spell. I know. <laughs> the music you heard tonight was written and performed by Adam Johnson and was used with his permission. You can contact Adam at adamjohnsondc at gmail.com. This podcast is property of Not Narrow or Straight LLC, all rights reserved.